Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Great guest today, Chris Fan, a real estate mogul, realtor extraordinaire, <laughs> founder of Trust Real Estate. Spent 14 years in mortgage banking. Super knowledgeable guy. Got great insights. I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. And my realtor, of course, Chris Fan. What's up, Chris? Thanks, man. I, hey, I should have that. I should. I should have you say that intro every time I meet clients. <laughs> <laughs> Just have it on recording. Tell me a little bit about, me little bit about yourself. Uh, Philip, you want to take this one? <laughs> take it away. I just show up with a microphone. Well, Christopher Fan is the... <laughs> Man, great to have you on the show. It's been fun. We've been, we've been talking a lot lately, yeah. uh, given the market here in Houston. And uh, But let's start out. Tell us a little bit about your story, Chris. I know, you know I mentioned 14 years in mortgage banking. How did we get to where you are today, you know, just recently founding Trust Real Estate? Oh man, what what a journey! Um, I, I guess I, I'll start it where I'll start it where it all began. I guess my my mom always wanted me to go into business. She wasn't the one that said, "Hey, you need to really go to school and uh, get a degree and find a job." She was more of the longs of, "Son, I'm going to teach you how to run a business, and you take it from there." And so, at 21, she loaned me ninety thousand dollars, and I opened up a liquor store. I don't know if this is a good idea or not. At the tender age of 21. Wow. And um, she taught me about inventory, when to order, um, profit margins, all these things that, you know, came in line. And me such a, at a, such a young age, um, I really noticed like how to, to create a business or, or what that, what that um, kind of what the mindset of, of being a, a business owner took and how much work and dedication that was. I mean, we used to run at 10 o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night and it'd just be myself, you know? Wow. Um, Man, you're like Gary Vee running the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't like about it was, so after that, I started learning how to cut prices, where to get, you know, what times to buy, to what, what people were purchasing to kind of make a profit out of it and kind of get a, a leg up on things. But what I didn't like about it was the long hours, obviously. And then, you know, the fact that um, the fact that I wasn't I, I didn't feel good about what I was selling. You know, I was selling something that was what I felt. Yeah, there's people who drink casually, but then there's people who are really addicted. And I, I didn't want to I didn't want to help that cause, you know. Yeah. And so in the fourth or fifth year, I, I remember telling my mom, you know, by that time I paid the store off in the third year and we bought it. We bought it at the time for 90. We ended up selling it. I want to say was close to 160, 170. Nice. And when I, yeah, when I first walked in, I think we were running at like a 16% margin. When I left, we ran it at like a 32%, very, very high. Um, and a buddy of mine said, Hey, you're, you, you may want to take a shot at trading currency, you know, and he showed me the Forex market. I traded for a wall street based company. Um, and it was three years of my life that I think changed the scope of everything, how I did business, how to face your fears. But the hours were so long is because you can only really sleep at like, I want to say it was one to four o'clock in the morning because then, then you go into like, 
you know, you're, you're wrapping up into, uh, you're going into the European market, then the US equities, going into Japanese. I mean, it was, and if you ever got stuck in a, in a position, then you'd have to head yourself out. So at that time, somebody said, hey man, you're, I said, I made great money, but I want my quality of life to change. And he said, why don't you, you should look into mortgages? And that's where, fast forward, I learned the mortgage biz. Um, and I, I was taught by two great individuals that really understood what financing was about. Um, at the time, condominiums were one of the hardest things to finance, and I specialized in that. I work with guys, you know, companies like Trammel Crow, Post Properties, um, uh, Caspian Homes was, they had about 15 to 20 million in, in uh, condominiums in downtown. I represented all those guys as their preferred lender. Oh, wow. And so helping, working with buyers, I understood, I started to see it in a different light about how they were positioning their, or their strategies into what am I putting down? What's my down payment? You know, should I put 20% or should I put 5%? And so uh, Chris Newty, who is the, I, I believe now he's still like the top 1% originator in the nation. I worked for him and he taught me about cost-effective borrowing and that kind of changed the whole scope of how I looked at mortgages. It wasn't this one size fits all you know, you come in there and you, you know, you put a guy in a 30 year or 15 year, you really try to figure out how long he's going to be there, what his goals are. Um, you know, is he going to end up renting the property? Or is he going to sell it? So that helped me kind of structure everything to where it really benefited the buyer, you know? Yeah. And when we met, Eunice and I were looking for a place. And I remember Eunice and I were definitely renting as of January 1, 2018. We were just, we we're just getting ready to get married. And we were like, hell yeah, we're going to go get an apartment, you know, or rent a townhouse. We were, we were going to rent like, you know, two or three bedroom townhouse. And yeah. Chris is like, okay, what's your budget? And we told him, and he's just like, why are you renting? <laughs> y'all, like y'all need to buy. And, and we were like, I don't know well, you know, we're going to be paying for a wedding and all this stuff. And he's like, let me crunch some numbers for you. And, uh, and within two weeks, we were under contract on a house. How crazy! Our first is that house. Right it was now. wild, absolutely wild. But um, and and I and I, I if I'm my memory serves me right, you're actually lower than what you were paying in rent after your interest and and your deductions. I mean, deductions in your homestead. That's why I was like, why are you guys renting? <laughs> oh yeah, for the for the place we got. Yeah. Our, oh yeah, we're. I mean we would have had a way less nice place for the same, same amount in rent as our mortgage payment. Yeah. And fast forward till now, right? We're about to positive cash flow this thing. There you go. I mean, how crazy is that? It's crazy, man. And yeah. the, you know, I mean, that was, that was the long-term plan. It happened a little sooner than we expected, but you know, <laughs> it, uh, it's all good, man. So tell us a little bit about life as a single dad. I mean, you're a business owner, right? You just started trust. How'd we, how'd we get to, you know, from that mortgage time to trust, I guess, first, before we get off the, the topic. Wow. So, and, you know, as I built my career in, in mortgage banking, I, you know, ended up becoming a preferred lender also to uh, Remax office that was in the gallery. And I trained over 60 agents. One of the things I realized that there was such a lack of is that agents always shied away from numbers, right? So their typical thing was go talk to my lender go talk to my lender, right? They couldn't answer those questions or figure things or, or majority of them. And, and granted, there are, there are 
there there are also agents that really understand this this process, but few more than than many. Um, then two thousand eight hit. You know the market fell, and I just remember. Dot Frank came in and we used to make like two and a half percent, two percent, close to what a realtor made in the uh, uh, in the uh, business. And I remember doing this deal with an agent and I am even surprised how he could even facilitate a half a million dollar deal. That is just very just was not your, your the sharpest tool in the shed, if you will. And I remember, you know, looking at the settlement statement and I remember saw his commission was like 5000 I mean, uh, $15,000. And I looked over at mine, it was like 4500 5000 I was like, what, what am I doing? Why am I, what is wrong with me? I could run circles around this guy, you oh, know? Man. So that took me on the path of real estate. Um, and that's when I decided, yeah, I, I, there's a void in this market that I know consumers need, you know, they need somebody who can understand these numbers, you know, and you're probably one of my, my biggest testimonials as to why, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it's been awesome learning from you and, and kind of going on this journey together. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Su- super cool <laughs> new company, Trust. Yeah. What's okay. the story there? So trust, I, I open, I open trust, um, because I wanted to be a company that was more of, you know, so many, the biggest things with us as agents, you know, we get such a bad rap because the 80% of us, I mean, let's be very honest. The 80% of us don't represent us well. You know, there's a 20% that are true professionals. They do it full time. We are constantly trying to improve and looking at new, new ways to, you know, help the consumer or help our clients. And there's the other ones that just, you know, you can just go to a school, get your real estate license. I've always said this, anybody can get a, it can become a realtor or get a real estate license, but very few can perform real estate at a high level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we get that. We, we have that connotation that we're just in it for the commission um, because there are, you know, majority are like, oh, buy this house. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Oh, what? Yeah, don't yeah. worry. Yeah, who cares if it's next to a, you know, a man-made ditch? <laughs> It'll be fine. Man, you know, oh, man. No, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think that goes to any industry, right? Like, if there's a small percentage of people that really are going to excel at just about anything. And, you know, I see people in other, you know, other business models and there's, there's, you know, there's folks out there that'll just give it a bad name. Right. And, and so yeah. many people have these perceptions of these industries and um, it's really built on no knowledge of the industry at all. It's just built on an experience they had with one, one person exactly. or, or I, one piece of information. Totally agree. Yeah. So uh, good transition. You mentioned, uh, you know, 2008. Yeah. What are we looking like now versus 2008 in the real estate market? You know, as crazy as it sounds, and I and I've said this three four months ago, um, two thousand eight. You know, as or, or a couple of months ago, I'm sorry, as as Corona was coming down and it it was really affecting. You know, there's here's the thing. There's never been a pandemic that has affected everyone globally. I'm talking about it's not just within our you know our domestic reach. It's everywhere. 
And, you know, to slow the economy, to, you know, uh, put a wrench in things, I think nobody has ever expected that. I mean, there's the magnitude of this, of what's going on, will change the land landscape of uh, the way we do a lot of things, you know, working on an office, how we meet each other, things like that, I, I think are, are going to have very long lasting effects, right? Um, the first thing I hear all the time is, are we in the same situation as 2008? The reality of it is we're not. We're actually probably in one of the best positions that we are. And it sounds crazy to say that, um, but I have numbers to prove it, right? So, you know, the first thing we got to look at is in 2008, so many bad mortgage mortgages were written. You know, I think 152 billion was the number. Um, in mortgages that was written, the stated income, stated assets, you know, the guy with the 600 credit score, the teacher that's buying a million dollar house that had no business doing that. Right. You know, now lending guidelines have tightened up so well that banks know what buyers they have, you know, the qualified buyers. You have to, you have to verify your income. There isn't no stating your, stating your income anymore. And you have to verify your assets as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the second phase of it, I think, which really protected us is the fact that an appraisal, when you want an appraisal, there's two eyes on the appraisal now. You know, um, Appraisers can't speak with mortgage bankers anymore. Uh, you, know, the, you used to hear the story of the guy says, hey, I need uh, you know, 100 grand more for this refinance to work. <laughs> you know, things like that, the big mortgage fraud that was involved in, in uh, a lot of the, uh, in a lot of the um, cases as well. Um, but now buyers and, and properties, you know, you have two eyes on the appraisal. So one is the appraiser and then one is a third party. Like Bank of America has a, has a company called Landsafe and Landsafe will independently run their own numbers. And if these two numbers don't match, well, then they go get another appraiser, appraisal on the property and they take the lowest of wow. those three. Wow. Yeah. So that, I don't think a consumer really understands, really has that knowledge um, about some of the back-end systems and, and how it's played. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now banks know the assets that they're truly holding. You know, the days of inflating properties and all that, it's gone. Done. Eunice and I just watched The Big Short again last night. Yeah. Have, yeah. have you seen that movie? Yes, I have. Is it an accurate depiction of, oh, yeah. of the 2008? It's oh, crazy, yeah. man. That that story is insane. Some of the stuff yeah. that went on, like yeah. it, it blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, very complicated things that that were on there. I mean, I, I forget the the actual terminology of it, but it was banking that they were betting about performance on portfolios, you know, and when and actually guys were doing it from the reverse, basically saying it's yeah. not going to perform. Yeah, know? credit default swaps. Yeah, there we go. They were um, they were betting they were going to default. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like 20 to one, man. Crazy. <laughs> oh um, my goodness. Yeah. But so now I think the other staggering number that I really looked at and I'm going to say it off the top of my head, but I want to say it was 30% of, uh, 30% of Americans own their home free, free and clear. And I think wow. the staggering number that I saw was like, somewhere between 45% have at least 50% equity. Do you know what the percentage is that someone has less than 10% equity into their home now? This is a percentage of homeowners? Homeowners, yeah, on a national average. Uh, Less than 10%? Oh, shoot. 
I don't know. I'd guess 10, 10, 20%. It's about 7%. Oh, wow. Is that low? Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that what that, that tells me is that people aren't going anywhere. You know, the, the problem is a, a lot of the things or a lot of the reasons why you have these big, huge defaults and payments is because these guys were doing it on 100% financing and even some would do 105% financing, right? Banking, because at the time, I mean, appreciation was going through the roof. So their idea was, okay, we'll put you in a two-year arm, right? The market's going to, it's markets, the market is flourishing right now. By that time, you'll have more equity into it. You can refinance and then, and then get out of that two-year arm and go into a more, you know, a 30 year product because mm-hmm. these people, some of these people needed credit fixing, right? So the two years gave them opportunities to fix their credit. But what happened is, is when the market fell, that was it. You know, there was no equity for them. They were actually in negative loss position, negative equity mm-hmm. position, if anything. Wow. So yeah, it's easy for them to walk away. But if you have 20% equity into your house or 30 or 40 or 50, yeah, you're not, you have options and you're right. not going to, typically tend to walk that property as easy as these other guys did. Sure. Sure. So is now the time to buy or sell or both or what, how do you see the current market? So there's two things that I, that, that I've looked at. So interest rates are at, I mean, ridiculously low rates, so low year lows right now. And I remember two months ago, I was telling my agents, get ready because three and a half, we're about to see it even dip even further. You know, FOMC has even came out and said that they're going to um, they're going to keep rates steady. And in 2021, that we would even see it underneath threes. I just saw 2.875. You know, um, so it's we're actually going even lower than that. Um, but the thing is, is that the number that stands out to me as far as buying and selling is inventory, right? Mm-hmm. And so inventory when in inventory in 2008 was above 12 months in Houston. Right? right now for single family residents, we're under, we're hard released it. I, I want to say two months ago, we're at 3.2%. So last month, I think we we're at 3.4. Yeah. It's we've never like those kinds of numbers, you know, anything underneath six months is pretty low inventory, but to be underneath four months, mm-hmm. I think is a staggering number and that's why you're seeing people you know that the how i said that the uh changing of the landscape of how we view and do things even real estate virtual tours you know facetime tours Mm -hmm. and and people are walking in you know and the good part is you know that only the serious buyers are coming out there isn't a there's a guy who's just like i'm not looking (laughs) to Yeah, if you can get a FaceTime tour, you know, it's like, what do, what do I need to go for unless I'm going to buy? Yeah, you know, they, they've even, we've even gone down to implementing virtual tours where you can walk in as if you're, you're standing in the property yourself. Man, um, that's so, cool. And that's why I, I've always believed, you know, I guess it's a good segue to go into trust. You know, one of the things that I, I wanted to implement with trust is that I want to bring this core value back into real estate. Um, that true professionals, I mean, we, not just about houses, but about everything that surrounds it, you know, the mortgage side is probably one of the biggest overlooked processes that a buyer 
you know, looks at nor, and also a seller, because if you don't understand what's going on in mortgages from a seller's perspective, and you take a contract and you lock that property up for another 20 days and you could have had a, had a actual, um, you could have had an actual buyer that's qualified, but because you don't understand that language and what to look for, mm-hmm. it could be pretty detrimental to your, uh, um, a- a- as far as getting things done. Definitely, man. Yeah, definitely. So what advice would you have? Like if I'm trying to get into real estate right now and I have, you know, maybe I want to be a realtor, maybe I'm getting my real estate license and I'm trying to branch into it. What advice would you have for somebody who's doing that in this time in order to be a true professional? Like how do you, how do you branch into an industry that's so oversaturated, you know, with, with everybody trying to get their license and, and do real estate? You know, I, I think the first thing is you've got to have a, have a mindset. Um, you know, a lot of these, one of the things I've, I've really been fortunate with is, is starting to accumulate a lot of developers uh, over my years as a real estate agent. And, you know, I've went up against the big guys, the big, big companies. And the thing is, I look at, I've always said this, I don't flinch at anybody. I, in any big company it is because they're not me and they don't know what I know. I, I have, you know, I'm very confident in, in the ability and what I do and serve that will stand out, you know, amongst a industry that is what I feel is very saturated. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would tell an agent if they were getting in or somebody who wants to get in real estate, well, first is probably stop watching Selling Sunset, right? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> man. That's a great show. It's not happening like That's that. That's not how it is everywhere. <laughs> Let me, or or million dollar listing. And look, here's the thing. No one has ever taken me out on my million dollar deal for sushi and low bought me 200,000 price. And it it magically happened. (laughs) I'm sorry to tell you, it just hasn't. Jeez. Uh, I think the first thing you have to do is really um, set aside savings. I think that's the first, my first thing. Just think of it like you're not going to close anything for six months have your six months saving, right? Um, understand that it's going to be uncomfortable. You know, the, the reality is, you know, everybody sees all the deals you're closing, but nobody sees the hard work that behind the scenes of the endless nights, you know, staying up till 12, one o'clock in the morning, you know, the mm-hmm. practicing your, or honing down your craft, constantly trying to perfect it. I, I think that's something that uh, everybody doesn't see, right? Everybody right. sees outcome just not the journey and you have to and you have to be able to fall in love with that journey you have to have a passion for it because i'll tell you there are nights that i'm very tired but i know that this is something that i'd love to do helping people um is very empowering to me to take them through this process that is is considered one of the most one of the most stressful processes in life and make it easy for them and then and for them to find their, their dream home, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, it's, there's something that's very empowering when you, it's gratifying. You see somebody moving on with in different stages of their life and you're privileged enough to be able to take them through it. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I've got some other realtor friends and um, other business owner friends and they have a similar perspective where the, 
you know, you, you see people get this payout, right? Like, uh, oh, they got commission on that property, right? And kind of like what you were describing. They don't see that, you know, you spent, you've spent years and you've spent all these showings and, you know, you're doing all this work. And, and once you finally get it, there's all this other work behind the scenes that goes on to actually make that deal happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all they see is, oh, wow, you know, he got that big, that big dollar figure or whatever. But, you know, they didn't see you spent, you know, however many years writing your book or whatever. Right. I'll give you I'll give you an example. I studied the four hundred thousand dollar price point um, in mortgages, and just to understand, like, because I knew you know there was a time that a lot of my clients would be in that price point, right? And so I actually wrote down everything I wanted to talk to a client if they were buying a four hundred thousand dollar property, and I rehearsed that in the mirror twenty to twenty five times a day to make sure it looked presentable. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of like the things that if you're talking about like the things that people don't see, it's the ability to go and learn it, learn it first, outline right. it, practice it, then deliver it, you know? Yeah. Um, I've seen, we see the CEOs, the people around these companies, these people getting on stages, speaking, and everyone's like, man, they're just, you know, that must come naturally to them. They're just really, you know, they're really good at that. It's like, well, they might, it might come naturally to them, but they, pre- I mean, they are prepared. They have yeah. prepared you yeah. know, yeah. Um, man, but it, it, I'll tell you what, it's a very rewarding the sky's the limit. You can make great, great. Uh, you ha- you can make a great amount of money doing it and you have the freedom to do a lot of things. But in the same sense is that everybody thinks that, Oh man, you don't have to de- clock in, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 But my day starts like six o'clock in the morning and it typically ends <laughs> around 11 or 12, you know? Right, right, right. So what, what other types of advice would you have for the different, uh, areas of real estate? Like maybe I want to be an investor and I want to start like flipping houses or, you know, following the Burr model or, you know, what's your favorite deal type and and what would you recommend if you're branching into investing in real estate? How would you approach it? Here's, here's the, here's the thing with it, with, if you're going to go on the investment side, right? This is the, the common mistake investors make. I have the money. I just need to look at the house, the numbers work, I'm in it, right? But they, what they don't realize is that you need somebody who understands what buyers are looking for. And when I say that, it's that it's making small little decisions that can affect it tremendously. Because once you're finished with the product, it is very tough to rip it back out and make corrections on there rather than have somebody on your side saying, hey, this is a good property, this is a very good area, Here's what I think you can do with it. You know, stay away from X, Y, Z of putting in this house. Cause I don't think it, I'll give you a perfect example of this. Uh, one of investors of mine um, purchased this house before um, it was uh, one of the wholesale deals. Right. And we walk into the house and I noticed right away that there is only a single vanity in the bathroom and there is your standard tub because he was so used to doing that in, in areas he's out of state and he's so used to doing it that way, you know, in a market that is super hot, flies off the shelves within seven days. And he said, Hey, this is what we put in there. Well, you know, lo and behold, the, the feedback was the single vanity because you have to think about his husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend or, you know, partner and whoever, it's very tough to share a single sink. It's very <laughs> tough. Less. It's, it's very it's tough to 
to do a dual vanity with room, much less a single sink. Yeah. Um, and there was no stand up shower and you're asking for top. Remember this, if my biggest tip to investors, if you are going to ask for a number, certain price per square feet, let's just say you're trying to get 200 price per square feet in the neighborhood that's selling at 200, you should probably look exact, look at that exact house and give them the $200 square. I mean, because the blueprint is there for you. That is what a $200 price per square feet home looks like. And that's right. what willing to pay. So that's, that's my advice on that. Work yeah. with a professional, you know, and I know it's, it's not just to get the commission on the business. It'll save you a headache because you wouldn't go into court trying to represent yourself. Why would you do it? You yeah. Know? I know so, you've had the opportunity to learn from some pretty cool people in your, in your career. Um, how do you value mentorship? Do you think that, do you think finding a mentor to really kind of help you through is the way to go? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I, I tell a lot of agents is don't chase commission, chase the knowledge. It's you putting in your dues. You, your learning curve will be so much faster because you only know what you know. That's the thing, right? But if you're working with somebody who does high volume, that has seen every single deal, you know, that's our majority of the deals and how they lay out certain points and things like that, then um, it, it just helps you get there much faster. Mm -hmm. Been following you on social media, Chris. You got a pretty good social media presence. <laughs> and I'm wondering how you've seen social media change your business. You know, you having fun with it. What, what's your social media approach? Uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's social media, social media is probably one of your biggest allies and assets that you can have, you know, for me is one of the unique things about us at the way we at trust is that we, we actually do a lot of video marketing and it's high energy. Um, and there's a, there's a method to the madness, right? There's a, that video can be shared and we can retarget ads with it. Um, and it's a cool video. It's high energy. I, I've seen so many videos where you kind of lose because you only have about 10 to 15 seconds to capture the audience, right? So you have to be able to deliver something that they're like, Oh wow. Okay. I want to take a look at that. Right. Not your, just your average, you know, the, the ones I see a lot is, you know, they're standing outside. It's not professionally shot on their iPhone. You can barely hear them. There's wind blowing. And then they're just talking about the property. Right. Um, but we use technology. One of the biggest things trust is about is utilizing technology to get out to the consumer first um, for them to have the access to it. And same mm -hmm. thing with neither, either buying or selling. You know? um, so it's helped us tremendously. You know, I'm sure you've seen the uh, videos and the outtakes and all that. You know, it gives a it gives a different glimpse of who you're working with. Sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's an awesome tool. Um, I was super hesitant to put myself out there on social media. Did you have any? <laughs> did you have any reserves like that? Like, oh man, oh, like, like I'm I'm putting my face out there now. And of course, um, you, one of the biggest things is that for, even for me, when I look at myself, it's hard to look at myself on camera. I just, I, I think that's with everyone in a sense, right? Yeah. Or you hear your own voice and you're like, so for me, I sound like quagmire in my head. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, how does, why is, what's wrong with this microphone? And he's like, no, it's not the microphone. So you sound like quagmire. It's like, <laughs> so wow. when do you have, when do you have the most fun in real estate? Like what's, what's the best part, the most fun part? of being in real estate for you? 
Ah, man, this is going to sound so sappy. There's a moment when buyers realize what they just accomplished and what they receive. And it comes, it comes at different points in time. It's not necessarily at the closing table. It's not necessarily at, uh, you know, any specific time, but there's a moment when they look at each other and they're like, Oh, wow, this is going to be ours. We did this, you know, that to be a witness to that, it's almost like you're seeing somebody get married, right? It's something cool that you cannot describe. You just, it's just something you see and you're just like in awe. And that's kind of like probably my best moments that are in real estate, helping people like that kind of, to see the, to see that there's no amount of money. Mm -hmm. That's priceless. I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, it's priceless. That's awesome, man. So where are we going? Where are we going the next six months, year in the real estate market? What's the future? We're, for those that aren't from Houston, we're located in Houston, Texas. So, you know, not necessarily talking only Houston, but you know, what, What's your perspective on the real estate market, given the situation? I mean, here's the thing with everything. Time makes it better, right? The stock market, oil, I mean, oil and gas, um, COVID, you know, all these things have an end to it. I think that, you know, and you can mark my words on this, fourth quarter of this year and first quarter of next year, you're going to see it it is going to be such a growth in real estate. It's going to be pretty wild to be able to take a look at low interest rates, low inventory. You know, there's people who are still building that's, that's out there. People still need houses, you know? So, um, I think it gives us a little bit of time as things progress and get better and to answer some of the unknowns that we currently have right now in the market. Yeah. So I, it, it, for me, it always looks bright. I, I think it's going to be a very, very bright future. Well, good. Yeah. That's good. Good to hear in this world of doom and gloom we're, we're in these <laughs> days, you know? Good to hear. So, yeah, Chris, it's been fun, man. Where, where can people find you? Finish off telling everybody a little bit more about trust, what you're doing, and where to find you. Yeah, you can. For real estate. You, you can look us up, you know, uh, trusttexas.com, uh, our Instagram handle. You can look, look for me at, uh, at trust and the trust is spelled T U I mean, T R U S S underscore Chris fan and a trust system. It's basically uh, you know, the trust system that's found in the house and that's what we do. We, we give support. You know? It's awesome, man. Cool idea. Love to see what you're doing. I'm happy to see you succeeding, man. You've been a huge blessing to Eunice and I. Oh, man. And uh, Eunice and me. So. And uh, we're pumped, dude. We're pumped. So appreciate you coming on the show, brother. All right. All right, brother. You take care. All right. You too. See ya. If you enjoyed today's show, give it a five-star rating. Follow, subscribe, and head on over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more about the Go Lead Everything movement. For more great content daily, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at RealPhilSwanson, Facebook and LinkedIn at PhilipSwanson, and for videos of these episodes and other great video content daily, subscribe to the Phil Swanson channel on YouTube. Now go lead everything.